Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Jeff. Hello, my friend. Howdy doody. I am good. Uh, this week was titled, God Knows the Way Out of the Grave. Yes, he does. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19, and you didn't have to wait for Easter to preach a sermon on the resurrection. <laughs> this is true. Thank you for that. Chesterton didn't, so I <laughs> figured if that guy could do it, I could. He did whatever he wanted most of the time. This is true. Uh, so we're continuing in these snapshots, and this one, uh, we it's been fun with Abraham because we get to kind of hang on to him and explore different components of his family. Yeah. I think that's that's interesting considering what had come before that. Yeah. Well, he's rightly called the father of faith mm-hmm. um, and a friend of God because of, well, obviously because of his faith and because of the significance of what he stands for as far as the covenant is concerned and what's promised to him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I like that uh, it's – most of the time, I think when we think about that, it is simply in the fact that he's the covenant recipient. Sure. But you helped explain so much about how well-rounded his whole life is oriented around that too. Yeah. That it's not just the fact that he received this, but then that changes the direction for everything. Yeah. He acts accordingly so, to the yeah. call of God. Mm-hmm. So your uh, ma- main points this week were, were manifold. Um <laughs> <laughs> but in general, exploring these big questions of why does God test our faith, which we're going to talk a good bit about today. Why does God test our faith? How faith goes to work then um, and what that looks like being worked out. But then you, you kind of landed bringing it back home into Hebrews uh, with this faith's reasoning, this aspect of how faith works with our reason and how it's it's not just outlandish. It has yeah. a basis that's perfectly, perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, the language that he uses there as far as consider, and the same thing is true for Sarah. It's it's almost, it's not quite, but almost mathematical. Like yeah. he he really walks through it uh, in detail and, and reason. And I think that indulging in an irrational faith is not helpful at the very least, and I think also could be sinful uh, at its worst. Yeah, so let's start there. I, I was going to wrap up with that, but we'll just do this in reverse. I sure. think that'll work. Um, when you brought that up towards the end of considering, that's, that's I wanted to spend some time considering consider. Okay. The, the thing that most people I don't think do very well or at all right now. So in our culture, it is highly, highly reactive, and and <laughs> the 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 sparks for that, the catalyst for that is is Twitter, is X. Yeah. It is Facebook. It's whatever political thing's happening right now. Here in a couple of weeks, it's going to be sports. Yep. Um, these things are the catalysts and drivers for culture. And a lot of that, I think, then sets us into a place where we're just not actually processing anything. Yeah. So what's interesting then is a lot of times in our counseling, we often just get people the opportunity to sit and think for a minute, right? Yeah. And and then to hopefully bring wisdom to bear uh, to help them in that. But it's crazy how often when you actually give people the chance to sit and stop and think, to consider yeah. how well they begin to process. So I, I pulled out the 
Google definition for this. We can ask Bing and probably get a less uh, woke answer. But thinking carefully about something, typically, before making a decision. Hmm. Thinking about being drawn towards a course of action or regarding someone or something as having a, a specified quality. So that, sure. I think, is a little bit more in line of what it was used on Sunday, yeah. considering Jesus Christ. So w- when you think about considering, like, what – what do you perceive in our culture, in our church, and how do you bring about in your life the opportunity to practice this? That's a good question. I think I would agree with you, first off, that people just don't consider. And there's numerous reasons for that. I think they were just a fast food society. So we've lost, I think, what is an art when it comes to yeah. you know, cooking something, um, smoking a cigar, which takes a long time long conversations with friends, um, reading a book. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you read articles now and they'll tell you halfway through the article how much longer you have. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because, and it, which is funny because we're such a consumer-driven society and an information-driven society, mm-hmm. but we're dumber than we've ever been yeah. as a society. Um, and it's because people cannot... Uh, it's not humanly possible, at least for the average human being, to intake as much information as we get on a daily basis and to actually be able to process that in a rational and truthful way and then also to be able to retain anything that was helpful. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. That You have to slow down. There might be some gifted people out there that can do that. I think it was uh, John Stott, who who was an incredibly brilliant dude, but that was his practice. It was, you know, very slow reading. He said the average person couldn't handle anything more than just a local paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Like that's what you should consume. And so I think one is just the fast paced society in which we live, that there's a, there's always a desire for more and more and more. And I think that shows the restlessness and the discontent in people's heart. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get in the car, you have to turn on the radio. We like noise. I think one of the reasons we like these things is they're a distraction for us. Yeah. And that it keeps, you know, when you get in the car and you turn on the podcast, you turn on the, even good stuff, you turn on the radio and listen to music, uh, always having to have noise. You know, some people always have their TVs on. You don't have to sit with the things that tend to start creeping out of the corners of your mind. That's the interesting thing about this, I think, is that we don't never have to really teach someone how to consider. Yeah. Uh, they do it. It's almost as if, to your point, it's more of like a informational gluttony. Yeah. That comfort foods you through having to think through things to yourself or being alone by yourself. Yeah. And I, I think that in line with that uh, get rich quick kind of uh, idea, oh, yeah. quick and easy results, instant gratification. So I think if you apply that to um, faith, and so Abraham is being asked to do something that's in, incredibly hard mm-hmm. and and actually insane like why would god promise this son they had to wait for this son finally get this son and he's going to say go go kill this son mm-hmm. okay that doesn't make any sense whatsoever and so i think often when we approach our faith and obedience to god's command um and it's a difficult ask mm-hmm. from god we want to find some peace quickly in order to make us feel like it's the right decision mm-hmm. right like i gotta get that piece that passes all understanding yeah and it's got to be this like really you hear people often say like there's just peace in the midst of this storm mm-hmm. and 
that really never happens mm-hmm. for me ever. I mean, there's been very few times in my life when I've been in the middle of something very difficult that God was you know, giving me a trial to walk through and I had just like this peace in my heart. I think peace looks, we could probably spend a whole other podcast talking about what that looks like. But I think my point is here is that we're trying to find a real quick answer. Um, and I love the way this, uh, there's a book called The Tale of Three Kings. It's a story of David, Saul, and Absalom. Hmm. Um, it's really short, very poetic. But often when David is inquiring of the Lord, um, David will say, the Lord knows these things and he will not tell. <laughs> he will not tell. Mm-hmm. Or it reminds me of the book, um, they made a movie out of it too called Silence. Um, Catholic priest, Jesuit priest who went and shared the gospel in Japan um, when it was closed um, in the early um, 1800s, late 1700s. And they all died for their faith. And the thing that they struggled with, these monks, was is that God didn't answer them, right? Like many of them died and were martyred and did all this wonderful work. And yet they suffered horrible things and God was silent. And so I think that we find this um, inability to be able to sit with that and to be able to then take the thoughts that begin to creep into our head and um, the things that we know already know of God to be true and to hold those up and, and consider and balance the obstacles and, and the things that God has promised in a proper way because we're just looking for a quick fix, right? The same thing is true in counseling. Like you said, people come to counseling often looking for a one, two, three step Mm -hmm. to fix my marriage. And that's, that's not possible, right? It's not possible. Um, and we have to remember, I think that we often forget that God is on a different timeline than us. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I mentioned this recently in a podcast or a sermon or something. Um, it makes me think of Narnia, yeah, everything is a lot quicker there, yeah, yeah. right? In, in God's land, in Aslan's country, mm-hmm. is different than in the you know our country. Everything's very slow here. Mm-hmm. Everything happens faster and different there. So, I think often we just don't have the ability to sit with our thoughts because we want really quick and fast solutions, and I think we want cookie cutter band aid slap on um, peace that passes all understanding. Yeah, and I think that that blade cuts both ways because I can excuse my wanting a piece quickly because I have to lead people. I have to lead the church. I have to lead my family. Like People count on me, God. I need an answer right now, right? Yeah. Then you have the people who are more in the following seat, so my wife and church people are like, well, we got to know that he really knows where he's going. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. Sure. It's, yeah, the pressure is high. I mean, the pressure is high here, too. He doesn't know. I mean, there's all these different, I was thinking about it after the sermon um, Sunday evening, and I was thinking, you know, I mentioned in the sermon that he didn't tell Sarah that he was going. Um, I also wonder if he's thinking, okay, I believe the Lord's going to bring him back to life, but is he going to be really angry at me, my son, (laughs) because I killed him, even though God brought him back? Like, is he going to, there's all these very human thoughts going through Abraham's head. Like, what am I, what are my servants going to think? Like... What are other people going to think? Like this man sacrificed his own son. So there's all these very human emotions and realities that Abraham has to deal with. And I don't think that it is the best policy to say, I have to have a peace in my heart from God, a feeling of peace before I move forward. 
right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a bargaining and a dragging your feet and wanting to do God's will on your own terms type of an attitude. Mm-hmm. I think that every fiber in his body was saying, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if it wasn't, you would be worried, right? <laughs> like he wouldn't be a good father yeah. to his son if he wasn't saying this is absolutely horrible. And so you know it was just gut-wrenching for him mm-hmm. to have to go do this. So I think too often that when it comes to decisions, we're, we're waiting for like this dove to come down and give us a message or lightning to strike or the sky to open or just to have this peace. And that's where people, again, people get into these little Christian cliches, like just that peace that passes all understanding in the midst of the storm. And it's because we haven't... Um, we haven't developed and cultivated and practiced the art of silence and consideration. It makes you wonder if this is like the first conversation that you've had with God on this topic when it should have been like the seventh. Right, exactly. And if you had had the other six along the way, yeah, then maybe it would make sense now. Yeah. So the way I do that is, well, I, I mentioned in the sermon yesterday um, that God has revealed himself to us in his word. Now, Abraham didn't have the complete canon of scripture like we have, but he did have God's word. He had God's promise. Mm -hmm. So what did he do? He went and considered God's word. Mm -hmm. Um, And his faith had come to a point too where I think it's not, I don't think it's wrong for you to consider what God has already done. Okay, God said he uh, would do this and he did it. Mm -hmm. He said he would give us a son and he did it, right? That's good. But Abraham goes even beyond that. Um, beyond that proof and he really banks everything on the one who made the promise yeah right so His character yeah and he meditated on the character of god the god that he served that's a good point and that's the consideration i think that we have to we have to really um allow to just kind of marinate steep in our mind in our heart well i think that would help then on those horizontal relationships too where you know maybe you are following your husband and <laughs> he's not very successful right but he's got good character yeah he's worth trusting and obeying because yeah. of his character because he's a man of god yeah that's a good point and yeah because if we do just base it off of actual performance and not <laughs> right their position yeah right, or, or their character then yeah that, that gets into weird waters quickly yeah and that's and that's that's a really helpful point it's not like and you just you're not saying this but it's not wrong to consider their character or to consider their works. You should consider their works, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, that's kind of a part of what we talked about yesterday too. You will be seen in their works, but you can make that mistake. I think we make that mistake with God that, well, um, God is supposed to do this, or he's supposed to do this, or he's supposed to do this. And we get these, these um, preconceived ideas of who God is, what we think he is, mm-hmm. mostly based around what we would like him to do yeah. for us. And then you can get into goofy health and wellness gospel and yeah. name it, claim it stuff. And I, so I think you have to meditate on the, on the character, the precepts, the promises of God himself, of who he is. That's, and whenever I talk about meditating on who he is and what he has done, who he is has to always come first. Then what he has done. Well, that's how he introduces himself. Uh, yes. <laughs> I am. <laughs> that, that should be enough. And then I become, I'm Yahweh. Yeah. And then I can become the, the God, God who fathers, brought who yeah. brought you out of Egypt. Exactly. So if you stop and you consider those things, and you consider those things in his word, that's what we're doing. Um, that's what we try to do every Sunday morning in the songs that... Yes. We pick. Yep. 
we put our and what we're what we're seeking to produce is genuine worship, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what Abraham came to. Yeah, his his getting up in the morning early and saddling the donkey and getting the firewood and getting his son and his servants and going that was obedience and it was an act of worship, mm-hmm. and it's because he considered who God was. Yeah. And it, and it put him then in his proper place mm-hmm. to say, I know nothing. God knows all. And I, of course, I'm going to meditate on what he's already done. But I can, I, uh, I can be pretty bold with just who God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So I think you've got to consider that. I think you've got to ask wise counsel mm-hmm. um, about a situation going forward. God has given you the means for that. Of course, you have his word, but you also have elders. You have a church family. Nobody should be making these huge decisions without asking counsel, yeah. right? Um, and there's other things. That but sounds legalistic. <laughs> it's, it's not, man. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a great help and a grace to you, Amen. right? I don't know how many people. It's funny to me as a pastor, and you've probably experienced this too. Like people will ask you the goofiest stuff. Yeah. What do you think I should do about this? And I'm like, that seems like a pretty easy decision. But then they won't ask you about like mm-hmm. leaving. The yeah. church, they'll just tell you, you know, or should I marry this person? Yeah. Right? Like, oh, I want to let you know. I want to invite you to my wedding. Oh. What? what? <laughs> right. So. It, it, only for them to realize that they've been hiding the fact that they're dating. Right. Exactly. Right, and we, we jest, but not really. It's it's funny because it's true because these things have happened to us. So I meditate and steep in the word of God. Now, sometimes you don't have a lot of time to do that. And and you always don't have like a lot of time to just sit and meditate before you have to make a decision. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because part of what I talked about in the end was is that obedience is instant. Right, uh-huh. we, we God calls us to obey right away. It's, that means you have to always be in a posture of meditating upon the character of God, the precepts of God. You have to be in well, His this, Word. This is just faith and life. Exactly, which is what all the other snapshots have been about right. uh, back to Enoch and all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would encourage people too, though, to put in that rhythm times of silence and solitude. I learned that lesson well on sabbatical. It was a really hard thing for me to do, mm-hmm. right? To, to sit quietly when you, you remember this probably for your sabbatical, you get to a point, and I know not everybody is uh, blessed to be able to do this, um, but you can make room for it. Uh, if you prioritize your schedules, but uh, we got to a point on sabbatical where, whether I was sitting on my back porch one time and I was like, I have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a panicky feeling like, <laughs> and I, I, the Lord was like, that's good. And you can sit with that mm-hmm. because that's, that's what rest is. That's what sabbatical is. It's trusting in God. And I think the silence and solitude and the if Jesus had to go away to be by himself into a desolate and isolated place, then we have to do the same thing. Yeah. Right. In order to come back to walk in more obedience and faithfulness. But there has to be a <laughs> nothing to do. We're reading in uh Judges and Joshua and uh Sunday morning. Yeah. And part of the rest aspect was that they had put down all the enemies on all four sides. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing, right? Not a fight, nothing to do, right? No, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't know what to do without a fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I came out of my sabbatical into one, so yeah, right. No, I mean, I, I enjoy the uh, the tobacco leaf 
But for me, that was like a, a a good measuring stick of like, hey, if I don't have, you know, 45 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes that yeah. I can just sit and think, yeah, then my schedule is probably too tight. True. Like there should be that kind of margin, even with kids, even with yeah. a family, even with your job. Maybe not every day, but man, there's there should be time regularly, yeah, where you can stop and consider. Yeah. So that's that's good. That's good help. So I, I think that this faith is the work of considering too, sure. right? It, it fits all in that. So I guess if we could uh, wrap up with something, I wanted to touch on this idea of testing, sure, uh, that you opened with, and. We talk about testing in the very theological, biblical sense of like refining aspect. Mm -hmm. But what are some other usefulnesses of testing that come to mind? I have a few that I could share, but yeah. What do you think? Well, I'm, my main points yesterday were the main thrust of the idea of testing was that, that is the means by which God uh, uses to sanctify you. Mm -hmm. Right, That's the means... I saw something not too long ago um, on social media where some quote unquote Christian influencer was trying to push this idea of um, suffering for Christians is a bad thing. Oh yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, and that um, that uh, that's just puritanical kind of a construct or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And I, which was funny because I just first thing that came to my mind was this person just doesn't know the scripture whatsoever <laughs> right um anything that is worth anything you know usually requires some kind of hardship well i was just kind of waiting to see how you're gonna you know explain the whole suffering thing with your uh your, your post mill thing oh my post mill thing your, your gotcha okay here's the thing <laughs> I think that, I believe that, um, we do want to strive and live in a bold and confident way because Jesus is Lord now. Mm. He is Lord over heaven and earth. I said that yesterday. The gospel is not just the cross. Mm -hmm. It's the cross. It's the resurrection. It's the ascension. And it's a throne. And it's a king coming back, not to be... Um, abused by his enemies, but mm -hmm. to crush them under his feet. Um, so we can live very boldly, very confidently because Jesus is on the throne and the church is not going to be stopped and the kingdom of God will be ushered in by the advancement of the church. Mm -hmm. um, but there is room there, obviously, for suffering. Jesus completed the work of his father, right? Perfect, complete, full, um, lived a perfect life. And yet he learned obedience through what? Through suffering, mm -hmm. right? As he was refined through that. Um, and so warfare is hard. Warfare has casualties. Warfare has suffering. Worship. Yeah. War, warfare has hardship. And so our, our sanctification is not in spite of suffering. It's through suffering. Mm -hmm. um, but I... Well, when that, I that was a phrase that I appreciated you bringing up yesterday. Yeah, well, I think... And I think... But we got to be really careful there and in... In light of the the postable question, I think that we got to be really careful not to adopt. So many Christians adopt this um, defeatist mentality, mm -hmm. and I think it does have a lot to do with your your theology and your your theology of future events. Um, that, but that then we kind of have this martyr syndrome, yes, right? Yeah, this martyr syndrome of what was me, and then so 
that's then kind of what I expect from myself. I, I'll, I'll liken it to this. I, I've worked with uh, drug addicts through the years. And even if an addict is um, doing really well, you know, some programs teach you, you know, you're always an addict kind of a thing. Um, and sometimes Christians can kind of lean into that like, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. Right. And, and that now becomes the, um, the identity. That's that's true. It's very prolific. I'm just, what do you, what it becomes is what do you expect of me, Rusty? I'm just Mm -hmm. a sinner saved by grace. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And I, and then it's like, then the pushback on that, which I don't think is strong enough is, uh, well, no, you're a saint that sins. Right. Again, we got to get away from these little cliche things. Right. And you really have to sit back and consider these things like we Mm. talked about earlier. Mm. Um, and that you have been made righteous through the blood of Christ. Therefore you can go out and live a brand new life and you can see, like James says, suffering as an opportunity and even receive it with joy. Why do we receive suffering with joy? Because suffering is the thing that, um, matured and brought Jesus, um, to the point of the garden where he was able to say, yes, not my will, but yours be done and accomplish the greatest thing in history. And the same thing has been given to us where we can come through incredibly hard difficulties and accept those things with joy because we know that the tested genuineness of our faith produces Christ-likeness and Christ-likeness is the thing that makes God happy. Mm -hmm. God is not pleased with my feeble attempts and God is not pleased with your... um, with your suffering, if your suffering is not sanctifying you. I think many times people can sinfully suffer because of their own ignorance mm-hmm. um, or uh, they have a defeatist mentality and they think that, well, uh, I'm just going to suffer reproach and um, for the gospel's sake. And they're really not suffering for the name of Jesus. They're just suffering um, for their kind of for their own glory. I think it's a sinful suffering because it's not producing in them any steadfastness. I think steadfastness, when I think about steadfastness, I think about the word grit too, right? Yeah, because when I think of testing, I think of it along the words of exposing. Mm -hmm. So anytime that I'm testing something, so in woodworking, I test things all the time. Yeah. I test surfaces, I test finishes, I test tools, I test sharpness. Mm -hmm. And all of these things expose something for me to understand it better. Yeah. I think of it in physicality. I test my knee (laughs) when I'm doing a weird movement or I test, you know, my strength when I'm doing a specific exercise or or whatever. I test my resilience and it's going to expose my limits on all of these things. And it's from that knowledge gained about the reality of the situation Mm -hmm. that then I think the production comes from. We say that it doesn't just test as an, a, uh, Oh, questions it, but it produces something. It produces that steadfastness. Yeah. So now, okay, I know where my limit is, and I know where I'm actually kind of in faith land here. Yeah. Or I'm presuming upon myself. Mm -hmm. These types of things. Yeah, and you, that's that's where if somebody isn't feeling faith, and we've talked a lot about that, you know, especially through Hebrews, and in chapter eleven, it's not this feeling. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You can't look for this peaceful feeling. That's some language for you guys to listen for in your home groups this week. Totally. Um, we got to be careful how that's being defined. Um, that that we're try- not trying to muster up some feeling. 
because our feelings are absolutely all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I've said in the last couple sermons, of course it's hard. Mm-hmm. Of course it's difficult. Um, but the, the, the thing that James is saying about counting it all joy, and the same thing with Peter, is that is exactly what you're saying, is that it reveals the weak areas. By God's grace, it's been revealed. And he is, with our participation in that, but even in spite of us sometimes mm-hmm. is knocking off the rough edges yeah right to make us more like Christ and so so when i face a trial one of my mindsets is trials make me trials expose my weaknesses mm-hmm. cuz i said yesterday when the pressure's applied what's on the inside comes out yeah you ever you ever squeezed like one of those squishy balls no. right <laughs> like one time i squeezed one and I wanted to see what was inside, so I popped it, and mm-hmm. this nasty goo stuff came out, yeah. right? So what's on the inside will come out mm-hmm. when the pressure is applied, and how often do we find anger, malice, backbiting, gossip, whatever, self-indulgence? Many times men run to pornography when they're stressed to get their minds off uh, whatever it happens to be stressing them out. Instead of realizing by considering God has designed testing mm-hmm. to reveal the weak spots in my life. Why do you think the military tests people? Why do you think <laughs> your coach tests you? Yeah. Right? Why do you think they have tryouts for mm-hmm. basketball, right? To be on the team. Why do they say let's run an extra lap? Mm-hmm. It's to test your limits so that you can find your weaknesses so that you can then perfect upon those things. Well, that's where people don't like that. That's where this gets to your grit thing a little bit more because uh, it is you are looking for that in what you just said. But one of the other places that we find testing useful is not just woodworking or physicality, but leadership. Mm-hmm. We do this purposefully as elders. We test yeah. people. Yes. It's not manipulation, which is usually what we get accused with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, no, there's plenty of times when um, – I know that somebody is is walking through something difficult, uh-huh. and I could swoop in there in a moment and say, here's a scripture, or here's the truth, or here's what you need to do, and alleviate that pressure. Mm-hmm. But that is not loving to them. It's not. Right? Because they're not going to learn how to do it on their own, because mm-hmm. I'm. they can't... Well, ultimately, there's too many people trusting too fully in their pastors, mm-hmm. right? And this is a danger that kids fall into you're trusting too hard in your parents faith mm-hmm. right spouses can do this as to each other too you're trusting too hard yeah that's what i was going after um with the ladies a couple weeks ago on sarah like yeah you're supposed to submit to and obey your husband but you're gonna have to stand before the lord one day on your own two feet this is your own faith exactly so there has to be something that you're you're cultivating yourself mm-hmm. um and testing and trial does that for us i I of course we don't like it, but I have I have learned through just regular whether it's sports or exercise, I have learned to appreciate not that I like it, but I've learned to appreciate being pushed by people who are better than me in those areas to expose those weaknesses and often playing basketball or whatever. Like I remember this one time playing basketball with this one guy and he just had my number and he just kept embarrassing me you know he was just taking me to school and after the game i went up to him and i said will you show me what you were doing Mm -hmm. right teach me yeah so he did and he wishes he wouldn't have now (laughs) (laughs) right um and that's what's hard about that is it takes a lot of humility it does it takes a lot of humility 
and it takes a lot of uh, steadfastness, a lot of grit. It's always worth it on the other side, though. Yeah, you're always thankful for it after the fact. Yeah, and here, so here's a key. Here's a couple. Here's a couple of thoughts on that, and and then we can close it out. You gotta surround yourself with people who are further along in the faith than you. Mm-hmm. If you're weak in an area, go find somebody who's not and say, "Help me." Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing for the body of Christ. Um, find somebody who's been married twice as you know, young people. I'm always like, don't you should never be reading dating books. Read marriage books. Mm-hmm. Go spend time with people who've been married a long time. Mm-hmm. Go talk to people that have kids. If you want to know how to raise your daughters, go talk to Pastor Rusty. He's got four of them, right? Those kinds <laughs> of things. Like, go talk to people who have experience in these areas. It just takes a lot of humility, though, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of getting in each other's um, personal spaces as well within the body of Christ. And say, I, I need your help. All of it is. <laughs> right. And, and for the person that is being asked, you know, I also would challenge our members here to step into um, those leadership roles and that older um, saint role. Now, you got to be careful that you don't have a higher estimation of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right then, you know, and think that you're something that you're not. But Titus two, older women should be teaching the younger. Right, they shouldn't always have to ask. Right, we need our ladies in Unfortunately, our. Unfortunately, usually they won't. Yes, it's true. Yeah, right. And so we need the ladies in our church, and it doesn't mean that you have to have gray hair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but start investing in the young women around you. Same thing for the guys. Like invest in the single guys. Uh, encourage them, call them up. Men need to be called up. Mm-hmm. All right. So surround yourself with people who are better than you. Um, and, and then when you, uh, when you, f- when you are facing trials, uh, if your mindset is trials are strange and weird and what is happening to me, and God doesn't love me. And God doesn't and love me, me. And I must be doing something wrong. Yes. Um, then what do you think your attitude is going to be? Of course, it's going to be one of discouragement. Of course, you're going to be confused. But as I said yesterday, and Peter says this, this is the new norm for Christians. Don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you. We were doing Ruth uh, yesterday morning, and uh, you have Naomi who wants to just be renamed Mara. Yeah. To be bitter. (laughs) Just call me bitter. And she doesn't realize that through this, through her husband's rebellion, right, Mm -hmm. they're out of the promised land. Yep her husband's rebellion is actually setting her up to be the great grandmother of David. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Her, her line is apparently ended. Her sons are dead and you should just leave me Orpah and Ruth because I'm bitter. Right. And, and then all of a sudden what God has been doing the whole time through that, the great dramatist yeah. is saying, no, I'm going to bring my King through you. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. <laughs> God has a plan. God has a purpose. And now on he, the other hand, you if you see. find yourself in trial and suffering, submit to it and get through it. Yeah, and so the way you get through that is to know the God's design. Like I already said this. God's is very simple. God's design for suffering is to sanctify me. What am I being sanctified to become? More like Christ, to grow up in Christ. So the more I begin to act like Jesus right now, mm-hmm. the sooner I learn the lesson. Yeah, you can alleviate the uh, the suffering that is coming through you to your family by learning your lesson. Right, exactly. And so if you have that mindset, and if you if you don't just wait for trials to come your way, right? But oh, if yeah. your but if your mind is towards those things, right? Like it's kind of like people like 
waiting to go out and train the day before the marathon, <laughs> right? Or waiting until Couch to five k. Exactly. <laughs> like no, you you got to start somewhere, right? So start pressing into some of those hard things by denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, and following the Lord. And so then, when the bigger trial comes your way. Yeah. You've already put out some small fiery ones, <laughs> learned by some small fiery ones, and now when the big fiery trial comes, you're better equipped. But right. we are so resistant to anything hard, man. Uh, that voluntary hardship's huge. My coach has been out of training for about a month because of some health issues. Mm-hmm. And he's back today, and he's like, all right, we're going to test our limits. I'm like, whoa, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Right. So we start in reverse. So we start at the submission right before he's getting ready to put us out, right? Yeah. So we're fully locked on choke, and all he has to do is just squeeze a little bit, and you you got about two seconds. Yeah. So we're starting there and working backwards. <laughs> <laughs> now, we usually start at the front end, and by the time you get to the end, you panic and you freak out, right? And right. It's gone. But if you realize that with one adjustment or one step of the escape or whatever, mm. you realize where you're at and you breathe for a second – you're fine. Yeah. You can find your way through this. And yeah. so that voluntary hardship of saying, all right, where am I embracing the suck in the appropriate sanctified yeah. way? <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think steadfastness, faithfulness, faithful grit in the midst of the trial, it's, you got to get away from the, I need the peace in the midst of the storm. Mm-hmm. And what you need is to bear up under that Yeah, and Amen. pray for the grace to bear up under that. And I'm just, I could talk a long time about this. I know I've talked about this before. But one thing that is so simply helpful is Paul says bodily exercise profits little. It doesn't say it doesn't profit at all, <laughs> right? And he also goes on to give a lot of more examples about uh, an athlete who beats their body and they bring it under subjection and they, they, um, they train. Some, some physical exercise, some rising early, some voluntary hardship. We just live in a society that avoids any kind of resistance Mm-hmm. any kind of hardship they're like forget it mm-hmm. i'm done and and when we talk about putting your hand to the plow you got to push that sucker yeah. right and so many people put their hand to the plow and they're like this thing's hard i'm not going to push it i'm going to go do something else mm-hmm. so um stephen pressfield talks about resistance a lot and it's yeah. essentially it's funny if you listen to the book because I, I listen to it rather than read it it's really pithy chapters like two paragraph chapters yeah so it's better to listen to, but it's almost as if like resistance is sin and temptation. Mm-hmm. Now later in the book, he'll say it's not, but he's wrong. Sure. But yeah. the, the war of art, not the art of war. That's Sun Tzu. The war of art <laughs> is, is about that. And it's about pressing into it and, and yeah. taking that step. And yeah. Yeah. And you just start with getting up a little bit earlier than you usually do. You know, it's a good time with school starting. Yeah. Not letting the sheets hold you down. If you want, here's a, here's a great, here's a great uh, little, um, practical application that you can do. Get up a little bit earlier than is comfortable for you. And you'll have more time to sit in the word and consider mm-hmm. the God who is sanctifying you. And and remember, in all of these things, God knows the end from the beginning, and that's what Abraham put his hope and trust in. His faith has been received. You know, It's not something that he conjured up. Mm-hmm. God gave it to him. Right. And we... And we and we know that, you know, we're like we're reformed and we get that. But I think oftentimes we really don't ponder enough. We don't consider enough that we have been recipients of something that we have not in any world, in any lifetime deserved. Amen. And I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, 
faith, um, our participation in faith is like a kid asking his dad for a sixpence so that he can go buy his dad a birthday present, <laughs> right? So like, that's what God has done for us, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, Father, I, 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 I want to serve you. Give me more faith. Give me more faith so I can serve you. Yeah. And it's like a kid asking his dad for money so he can go buy his dad a birthday present. Amen. That's awesome. Right? And uh, so the Lord's not going to forsake his own. No. And he's not going to give you anything too hard mm-hmm. for you to bear. He knows your limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just a lot more than you think they are. It reminds me of... Yeah, um, people are capable of so much more than they, they are. It reminds me of um, Chronicles of Narnia, the horse and his boy, when they're having to get back to Narnia, riding the horses before the Kalaman army shows up to surprise them Mm. and could potentially wipe out the castle. And they encounter this lion, um, this mangy lion, who scratches at the horse's rumps and the horses break into what, what Lewis says in the story is, they break into that stride which they didn't realize they had. Mm. And they run even faster and of course later you find out it was Aslan himself who, hmm. who clawed them on the rump, so, <laughs> so they would run faster, and because they didn't realize <laughs> they could. Sixth gear. <laughs> yeah, they didn't realize they could do that until the the scary lion clawed at them, and that's trials. You yeah. don't, you don't think you can do it, so God puts you in a trial, and you come out the other side, and you say, "Wow, mm-hmm. I was capable by God's grace of a lot more than I realized." Yeah, yeah. That's a much more poetic version. I was thinking of the end of True Grit. Oh. <laughs> riding the horse and the horse oh. dies. <laughs> the like, horse whatever, dies. I'll carry you despite the fact that I live in like, you know, the back room of the saloon. Right, yeah, he did. All he of a sudden the I girl. have all the stamina. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, grit. You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> Save the girl. That's right. That's awesome. Well, thank you for exploring this with us. I think uh this is really a good fodder here for, for home groups. Yeah. Uh, I know that they're mostly in fellowship this week, but Listening for this type of language when we tend to soften the edges too much and, and, and try to assuage our concerns with this peace and things like that. Yeah. It's a really good warning. So. Good. Well, we will see you guys next week. want to encourage you, as always, to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. See you later.